what an exciting time you find yourself in as a people. Um, God's blessed this church so much. Um, and you're blessing other countries, other cities, other states. It's so exciting. We're looking so forward to being with Paul and his bride in Charlottesville Friday. But I want you to know as a church, as I bowed my head, I, I saw the, the roof literally blown off the church with the blessing of God's presence. And you're an interesting transition right now in this church. And thank God you're going from glory to glory. And as individuals, couples, and families, God's bringing you into a tremendous time of harvest, a tremendous time of blessing. But how many of you know the bigger the harvest is seemingly the bigger the hell? Just raise your hand. Uh, there's conflict. And when I was pondering speaking tonight, I'm just going to turn into the Deuteronomy chapters 1 and 2, and I'm just going to entitle this passage, Giant Slaying. Uh, releasing the power of covenant to defeat the giants in your land. As much as we want to get out of the, how many of you hate the wilderness? Raise your hands. We just want to get out of the wilderness till we get into the promised land and realize there's things that live in the promised land that don't live in the wilderness. Like there's snakes and scorpions and all kinds of bad things we don't like in the wilderness. We're thirsty all the time. When God's going to let us out? We get to the promised land, we realize it's a big giant promise because big giants live there. Man, we feel like maybe the wilderness was just a little bit better. Anyway, so when you come into the book of Deuteronomy, Moses has a problem. The problem is they've been here before. At least their parents' generation have. And Moses realizes they now stood on the border of their promised land. He's going to remind them of everything God has done, but he knows what's there. Some of like the, the last remaining giant-like nations are there. Massive giants, wall cities. They've been wandering in the wilderness 40 years. Before that, they were enslaved over 400 years. None of that is real training on how to besiege cities. And as they're on the plains of Shittim, kind of looking across the Jordan River, and Kathy and I have stood there in that same place Moses would have been, he thinks, how am I going to prepare them to take the giants that are waiting for them as they're believing for their families, their children. And he knows the promise, and he says it, See, I've set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord God swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and their offspring after them. I want to tell you tonight, see. Look around your life, your family, your business, what God's given you. I can spend a few minutes just articulating some of the things I feel from the Holy Spirit about this church, what's going to happen, what's going. But the minute I knelt down tonight, God was speaking to me. It was just, it's unusual. And pretty much been speaking most of the day, Pastor Jim and I. But the problem was, when you come into chapter 1, verse 26, he just reminds them, you came here before and you didn't go up. I brought your mom and dad here decades before. Your uncles, your aunts, very same promises, and they said no, and now it's your turn. He goes on to say, you would, you, you, yet you would not go up. 
You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he brought us out of the land of Egypt. Now you realize, you think about it for a moment. Whatever they saw in that promised land was so frightening. They said, God, you must have hated us to deliver us from slavery. And you think about that for a moment. Whatever they saw so scared them, so threatened them that they thought it'd be better to be enslaved. God, you hated us when you rescued us. That's like me saying, my God, you must have hated me to save me. God, what made you save me? I was better off an unsaved man than face this. And there are things in your promised land designed to bring you into a whole new revelation of God. Now, we can always look down and say what's wrong with them, but we didn't see what they saw. It's really easy to get down on the 10 spies and say, that wouldn't have been me. It might have been me. Because the grapes were big, and we don't always think, man, they're the biggest grapes. They thought, if the grapes are that big, what's eating them? And you imagine... I mean, we know King Og of Bashan is probably 13 foot tall. That means about as twice as tall as Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, no. They were scared to death. And Moses realized, I've got to put something in perspective for them. Because if I don't, they're going to run again. And Moses decides, I'm going to reveal to them the power of God's covenant. And I'm going to open up the covenant power of God. And I want you to see that with me tonight. Many of you are looking into the promised land your marriage could be, your family could be, your finances could be. You're just afraid. Because you think, man, I got to face what got my mom and dad. Some of you are saying, Pastor Jim, in my promised land is the very thing that got my parents killed. I don't know if I can do it. Like if my mom and dad couldn't do it and my grandparents couldn't do it and all my uncles and aunts, can I? And and Moses kept there thinking, what's over there that my mom and dad were afraid of? They looked around. A whole generation ran from this. Moses now, as you come into chapter 2, is going to do something very unorthodox. He's going to teach them about the power of the old covenant, the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And honestly, that covenant's nothing compared to the promises made to Jesus for his beloved church, you and I. Paul said, if you think the old covenant came with glory... When Moses saw the glory, it's nothing in comparison to this new covenant. I know giants are surrounding you tonight. I know you never thought you'd face what you're facing in your friendships or your health or your finances. You never thought it. And Moses begins to remind them of what happened and their first visit. Then we turned to one and we journeyed into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. 
They went in circles a good while. As the Lord told me, and for many days we traveled around Mount Sierra. Then the Lord said to me, you've been traveling around this mountain country long enough. Turn northward and command the people you're about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, the Edomites. Remember who Esau was? He was the one God later spoke of, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. He was the young man that was so carnal, he sold his birthright for porridge. He was the young man that married pagan women just to torment his parents. He was the young man that swore to kill his brother. Turn northward, command the people. You're going to go through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir. They're going to be afraid of you. You could easily beat them and defeat them, so be very careful. Do not contend with them. I will not give you any of the land. Oh, no, not so much for the sole of your foot to tread on because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall purchase food from them with money that you may eat. You shall buy water from them with money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years, your God's been with you. You've lacked nothing. So we went on our way from our brothers, the people of Esau. What is God saying? If Esau, who sold his covenant right, if Esau, who was going to murder his brother, if Esau, who married pagan women to torment his parents, what's Moses saying? If God's covenant was so powerful, we couldn't touch Esau. What about you? If the very fact that this Esau was the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham, himself a pagan, rebelled, tormented his parents. What's Moses saying? What's he going on? He's saying this. If God kept his covenant with Esau, if God, because who his granddad was, if God, because who his dad was, wouldn't let you touch that land, what about you? If God's covenant is so powerful, if God's covenant is so amazing that here he honored Esau and his descendants, what about you? So we went on our way from our brothers, the people of Esau, who lived in Seir, away from the Arabah road from Eloth and Ezion Geber, and we turned and went into the wilderness of Moab. How many of you know that has some problems with Moab? And the Lord said to me, do not harass Moab or contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land for a possession because I've given R to the people of Lot for a possession. Remember that little story? All Abraham's hopes were in Lot. It was his nephew. In his own mind, he thought, Abraham, this my man. That young man got one look at Sodom and Gomorrah. He moved there. Even when they lost the battle of five kings and Abraham came 
down and rescued Lot, Lot went right back to that cradle of sin. He married him a fine little woman from Sodom and Gomorrah. When his old Abraham prayed and prayed for God to spare him, when the angels went to rescue him, he offered his own daughters to a group of perverted men to save the angels. He lost about all contact and sight of God. When he tried to rescue his wife, she loved Sodom so much, she kept turning back and was turned to a pillar of salt. And Moab and Ammon, the two tribes God is speaking about, when he got into the cave with his daughters, they got him drunk were intimate with him, and out of an incest came Moab and Ammon. God said, you can't touch Moab, and you can't touch Adam, because Lot was Abraham's nephew. And because Lot, even though he didn't fear me, he was righteous in his own way, just no power, even though Lot's grandsons came out of incest, they're under my covenant, Moses. Don't you touch them. Moses, my covenant is so powerful that I have not forgotten it, even with people who've forgotten me. Now watch this. I've given R to the people of Lot for possession. The Eman formerly lived there. They were a people great and many and tall as the Anakim. Like the very ones your parents ran from. The very giants that your parents quailed from. Like the Anakim, they're counted as Repidim, but the Moabites called them Emin. The Horites also lived in Seir formerly, but the people of Esau disposed them and destroyed them from before them and settled their place, as Israel did to the land of their possession. You keep reading this passage, you know what you find? You find that the children of Esau destroyed giants. You're going to find that the children of Lot, Ammon, and Moab destroyed giants. In fact, it says it right here. So as soon as the men of war perished and were dead, the Lord said, Today you're to cross the border of Moab at Ar. And when you approach the territory of the people of Ammon, do not harass them or contend with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession. I've given it to the sons of Lot. It is also counted as a land of Repinim, giants. Repinim formerly lived there, but the Ammonites called them Zazumen, a people great and many and tall as the Anakin. But the Lord destroyed them before the Ammonites, and they dispossessed them and settled them. He did so for the people of Esau who lived in Seir when he destroyed the Horites before them and they dispossessed them. What is Moses saying? If God destroyed giants for Esau's kids, if God destroyed giants for the Moabites and the Ammonites born out of incest because of an ancient covenant he had made, what might he do for his covenant people? Moses is saying, the very giants you ran from, God killed off for Esau's tribe. The very giants you mortgaged your destiny for and ran away from to Ammonites and the Moabites conquered. They just had different names. What's Moses saying? 
If God did that, and he's such a covenant-keeping God that he cared for the sons of Esau and the sons of Lot, born in rebellion, born out of incest, what might he do for you if you'd only believe? What might he do for you, your country, your city, your community? What was Moses doing? It's like a holy reverse psychology. The things that ran your parents off from their destiny were killed by the children of Esau, Ammon, and Moab. Hear me, beloved. If under the old covenant, he didn't forget Esau's children born out of rebellion. If after the old covenant, he wouldn't let his own people have the land of two tribes born out of rebellion, drunkenness, and incest. If out of the old covenant, he destroyed those giants, what might he do for you and I under the new covenant tonight? What might he do for the giants you're facing? What might he do for the giants your children are facing? We serve a covenant-keeping God. If under the old covenant, giants fell, the very monsters of hell, what might you and I, spiable, believing, blood-washed, new covenant Christians expect? The giants never change. Only what they're called by every generation. What was Moses saying? The same giants that ran your mama and your daddy and your uncles and your aunts away from my promise, I slew for people who weren't even like you. Will you believe? What might this covenant-keeping God? I know giants are terrifying. It had to terrify them to say, we'd rather be slaves in Egypt than face. This is scary. Life in the promised land can be scary because God's trying to move you to the next level Everything around you is bigger than you because you've not yet grown to the size in God you need to be. And you won't until you face it. And you're so afraid. And it hurts. Many of you find yourself in that place tonight. I'm going to pray for you. Then Pastor Jim's going to come up and we're going to turn loose a lot of people to prophesy over you. You'd say tonight, I needed that word. I need God's covenant against my giants. Raise your hand and wave at me right now. Holy Spirit, uh, thus saith the Lord, I want you to know, Grace Covenant Church, giants are going to fall. Um, I'm going to slay things. I have a plan for this church as individuals, families, and a people beyond what you know. And look at what the unsaved have accomplished and ask, what I might do through my covenant people. What I might do for those who believe on me.
Oh, and this church is filled with the old and filled with the young. It's been the most interesting of times as I transition you from glory to glory. For there are shouts of joy and sounds of weeping in the house as I build a house to shake a generation. But I'm with you. And you will not run from your destiny. You will not run from the land. For I'm taking you as a people into a land beyond what you've dreamed about. Into a land. And that which slew your mom and your dad and your grandparents and your uncles and aunts, oh no, it will not slay you. For I am the resurrection and the life. You're not to be afraid for my spirit is with you. Let's give God a clap. Hallelujah.